Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. Welcome back to NEC Halls 3 and 3A for a look at some of the stuff that's happened on a very busy first day at Highways UK 2023. This is Highways Voices with me, Paul Hutton, and my colleague Adrian Tatum at the UK's biggest highways and transport show of the year. Welcome to show two from Highways UK. This is Highways Voices from Highways UK 2023, sponsored by AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals, Keeley Brothers, Reflow, Stantec and Unex Traffic. The keynote speaker here at Highways UK 2023 this morning is Richard Holden who is the Minister for Roads and Local Transport and he gave a really sort of uplifting and positive speech and I'm really pleased to say that he's uh, it's given me five minutes of his time to chat to me here on Highways Voices. And uh, Mr Holden, first of all, in between your speech and uh, coming to chat with me here on the National Highways stand, um, you've been round and you've seen chunks of the exhibition. What's your impression? Look, I think what I'm, what I'm really impressed by, actually, is the level of innovation that's taking place right across the country. It's been really brilliant because it's Freight Week this week. I've been able to see some of that, um, particularly around the HGV sector in action. I think we're often talking about you know, stuff which is uh, in people's everyday homes like cars. But actually, it's really great to see Actually, that's much broader than that, whether it's in the actual infrastructure itself uh, or whether it's in sectors like HGV. It's really good to see just the breadth of innovation that's happening in the UK. And you talked about in your speech some of the uh, innovation that's being pushed at the moment. Um, one of them that's close to my heart is the National Parking Platform. Uh, it's really positive to see something that's been piloted, it's shown to work, is now going to be rolled out. No, absolutely. Look, I remember, you know, those uh, not that long ago, being in Middlesbrough, uh, turned up one afternoon on a, on a visit myself, a political visit, get to the, get to the local area got to download a new app it's raining it's dark the last thing you want to have to do is go through the entire rigmarole again and then you're going to try and remember the login when you've been there six months before you know the national parking platform should really solve that one one place you can really access all those services i just think it's a it's a no-brainer um and i think it'll be really positive just for normal people's interaction on an everyday basis and i just I'm so keen that local councils across the country just get involved as quickly as possible because it'll just be a huge benefit to the road users. And actually, if you're going to somewhere which isn't part of it, then you'll be less likely to go back. Right? This is actually a big pull. You know, I want to get all local councils in it because it benefits them. We ran a story on Highways News this morning about the letter that you've written to all chief executives. Does it frustrate you, though, in a wider view as being roads minister and local transport minister that you kind of have to cajole local authorities into doing things whereas you've got a direct route to nick harris at national highways for the strategic network local roads it's a bit harder to have that one holistic view it it is a bit harder but I, i want local areas to have that control over their roads but when we're pushing them just to do purely positive stuff which nobody could object to 
I just really want them to get on board as quickly as possible. Another example is the um, lane rental schemes, right? There are a few of the councils really involved with that now. On the uh, And I want to see every single council have one. It means more cash for the council. It means fewer delays for the motorist. What's not to like? You know, they just need to get on and do it. And sometimes getting them there is the hardest bit. Well, you did say in your speech, and I'll quote you, you're going to chase down those that don't. Yes, I certainly will. Because it's just such a no-brainer that, they, you know, you, you could be looking at hundreds of thousands a year in extra revenue. We're changing the, I'm changing the guidance. So it has to be at least half on pothole repair directly. Um, I, it's hugely beneficial, particularly to bus as well, where you see those bus routes or those most used roads. And so I just think it's got ticks every single box. I just want councils to get on board. And actually, it'll help them. You talk about potholes. It's interesting. If you walk around here, you'll see lots of companies that do surface treatment. So they're kind of fixing the road surface before the potholes can form. When you talk about money for potholes, is that also included in things like surface treatment? It's very much actually, you know, we talk about potholes, but you're absolutely right. A lot of the time it's actually about road surfaces uh, and, you know, resurfacing uh, or better road surfaces in different areas. One of the um, great things I've seen really today, I was over uh, with, uh, with, one of the, with one of the firms who does a lot of work in London, uh, Conway's, and they were saying that they're getting into situations where they can do over 70% of the materials are recycled from the site as well. You know, and, and that's also what I want to see. You know, real innovation and not having reducing lorry movements as well, you know, so you can recycle on site. So anything like that is also really important. So it can be you're obviously right, it can be anything from your individual pothole on your country lane right to major resurfacing of some you know important junctions and things like that. And it's not just about that, it's about uh, spending money on fixing things that are already in place. So the £70 million for traffic signals funding. Yeah, no, it is. And, and actually, that traffic signals funding, there is nothing that annoys me more as a driver, just a lot of miles every week, than being sat at a traffic light, which is clearly outdated, isn't responding to the current needs. Uh, also on a bus which is should be you know trying to get through a light and it's not working right so I just want to see those signals really up to date to manage traffic flow in the best possible way which is great for everybody particularly when it comes to things like productivity of our road network and finally we're here in the NEC and we are four years away from welcoming the world not just the UK industry to the ITS World Congress no it's, a fan- it's fantastic and it really is a testament to the to the West Midlands and to the Mayor here who I know has put a lot into this uh, that it's coming here it's just going to be a real showcase I think for Britain as well as the West Midlands uh, and just fantastic to see it's actually, it's actually happening um, so yeah brilliant and you know, with 15,000 people here today a few years time it could go even further Minister thank you ever so much for your time here on Highways Voices no problem at all delighted to be with you you're listening to Highways Voices, thanks to the sponsorship of AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals, Unix Traffic, Keeley Brothers, Reflow and Stantec. Earlier on today, I hosted the keynote session on the main stage and we heard from National Highways CEO Nick Harris. And you'll hear from him in a couple of minutes' time here on Highways Voices. But first, let's find out who Adrian's talking to. So I'm on stand 73 with Traffic Group Signals, one of the co-sponsors of our podcast this week with AGD um, with Will Credicott. Um, Will, tell us what's happened uh, in the business since the last show. So we've seen uh, rising demand for our Metro and Evo 1 signals. These are stage-based signaling technology. 
that we've deployed in, in various sites. Um, some notable sites include Bank in London. And we're finding that our customers are looking for a more efficient way of signalling, especially in these urban areas. And you've purchased another business recently as, as the company continues to grow. Tell us about that. Uh, that's right. So we recently announced the acquisition of LTM Design. Uh, they are a traffic management company based in Leighton Buzzard. Uh, this is a significant milestone for traffic signals as we look to increase the level of support that we offer our customers. They're located in, in su as such that we can support our TM customers in the southeast and in and around London. Now, as our, as our listeners to Highways Voices will know, research is kind of the lifeblood in this industry if we want to continue to innovate and, and move forward. You, you've been involved with a number of research projects recently. Tell us about them. That's right. I mean, our, our core ambition as a company is to deliver permanent-style signalling as, as close to permanent-style signalling as possible with our temporary products. So as part of that effort, we do a lot of research into how we can make roadwork sites more efficient. And our recent research paper looks at making sites more accessible for all road users. So within that paper, we analyse different road uh, user movements through sites, the speed in which they accelerate, how the geometry of the site uh, affects those uh, accelerations and the sort of path that they take through a roadwork site because this can have a really big impact on the intergreen settings that you that you set when you um, set up these signals. This is really important for us to, to look at new ways of signaling. We've also looked at incorporating uh, AI, artificial intelligence uh, technology with AGD systems in the AGD 650 and we've got a site at the moment where we're using that to do demand dependent stages for cyclists um, to ensure that they can cross the junction safely uh, and that's an A30 site in Cornwall. So if it's sufficient traffic signals that you're after come and visit Traffic Group Signals. I've just come off the keynote session panel uh, here at Highways UK and I've grabbed uh, Chief Executive of National Highways Nick Harris who gave a really fascinating insight into his job and his plans for the strategic road network. We had a great chat on the panel. Nick, thanks for joining us on Highways Voices. So basically it's rebuilding, not road building. Yeah, no, thanks, Paul. Well, that, that's the strap line I'm going with, which is really to reinforce the fact that we've largely got the strategic road network we need. And we need to focus on improving, getting the most out of the road network we've got. And of course, there will be parts of it that we do need to enhance to meet our aims of ever improving safety, journey reliability. But we have to do all of this in, with... Um, environmental sustainability in mind and thinking about the future the network we are looking after does need to be fit for the future for technology or eventually autonomous vehicles etc it is it must be a really tough job because you've got so many different uh, plates to keep spinning the safety aspect the environmental aspect and obviously keeping everybody flowing and i i live at the north part of essex so i've got two major schemes on the a12 that uh, i'm watching work on at the moment with the rebuilding of uh, concrete sections of road the challenge of keeping the traffic moving whilst doing all those renewals i mean it's huge best what we do however what what really helps me and i think what does help the organization is in reality our purpose is, is quite straightforward and simple, which is to help the country grow. And we do that by ensuring safe 
reliable journeys. So if we work away from that purpose, and it's a great purpose. I mean, really, for me, it's a purpose that gets me out of bed every day, wanting to get stuck into the challenge and just making things better. So with that purpose in mind, we can then think about, well, what are we doing? Um, does it lead to those improvements? Does it support safety? Does it support reliable journeys? Are we doing it in a way that is environmentally sustainable? What's the impact on everyone using the road network? What's the impact on the communities around? So yes, a lot of complexity, but a very simple mission or purpose. And what's the timescale for when we'll get a bit more surety about the publication of RIS3 and what the industry is going to need to deliver on your behalf? So it's the question everyone wants to know. What, what's in RIS3? Where's the money? Um, and as I said on stage, I can't tell you yet. But the discussions are going well. And, and I am confident that it won't be long before the RIS3 draft is announced. However, what I would say, and I touched on it on stage, is we already know a huge amount of what we have to do. So we have to keep the road network running and being maintained. We've got a large number of schemes, many really exciting, iconic projects already in construction, and we have to finish them. So there isn't a doubt about a lot of what we have to do into the next road period. But of course, everyone is looking for that certainty. And with, for example, the Lower Thames Crossing, and then you mentioned in your presentation about the, uh, now let me get this right, the Black Cat to Caxton Gibbet, the new road along there. The well, A428. Um, the A428, that's the one. I, you know, a road I, I used, to, well, I know well from when I used to live in mid-Bedfordshire. One of the issues that must keep you challenged all the time is the, the legal... Uh, challenges all the time to any of these and having to make sure you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's and keeping it environmentally sound. How much of a challenge is that and how much is it one of the reasons why we're not going to see many new roads anymore? So it is, um, you know, building infrastructure is always a challenge and I do believe firmly you've got to take people with you. Um, you need to be transparent and what we do is, is really through the will of the communities, uh, the country. We have had a challenging last two years or so where some of our larger schemes have been challenged through the planning process and then legal challenge af is afterwards. But we've worked hard on demonstrating why we want to develop infrastructure in these locations, what are the benefits. We've been able to demonstrate they are consistent with a low carbon future and meeting the legal obligations of the country around carbon budget six, for example, that they're consistent with sustainable and improving biodiversity. So all of the legal challenges we've seen to the planning process around these schemes have not succeeded so far. And we're, begin we're building knowledge and capability through that. But look, not everyone agrees with, with road building. And I think that's why I'm really pushing the it's rebuilding, not road building. It is about improving and enhancing the network we have for now and into the future um, to get that message across that we get it and roads are, are a force for good. Nick Harris is Chief Executive of National Highways and its 
credit to Nick that he's here today at Highways UK, not only standing up and speaking, but taking completely unscripted questions from a bloke like me on stage and now spending the day talking to the supply chain here in the exhibition. Uh, Nick, thank you for your time on Highways Voices. You know, thank you, Paul. Good to speak to you. From the NEC in Birmingham, Highways Voices at Highways UK. Thanks to the sponsorship of Unix Traffic, Stantec, Reflow, Keeley Brothers and AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals. Busy day here at the NEC as day one draws to a close at Highways UK 2023. But we've got another day tomorrow to wear our feet out, walking around the exhibition hall and then uh, going to various sessions. And so I'm back with Claudia Davidson, senior conference producer here at Highways UK. And Claudia, today we had the minister... Tomorrow, uh, you're balancing it out with the shadow minister. Yeah, I think uh, so. It's Bill Esterson, um, who is the shadow roads minister. And I think he's only been in post for about a month. So this is his real first outing at meeting the supply chain, meeting the sector. And he'll be doing an, an address um, following on from, from yesterday. Um, and he'll also be doing a tour of the exhibition. So I hope everyone will be on position, in position on their stand because um, it'll be a great way to kind of introduce him to the sector. What's impressive is that when politicians come to Highways UK, they don't just do what sometimes politicians do, which is kind of turn up, stand at the front and go, I'm very pleased to be at insert name of event here and do some random speech. They're actually here as much to learn about the sector as to address the sector. Yeah, it's really, it's great. And I think they're really keen to engage with the supply chain. And I think we've got such great support from both national and local roads that it's kind of unmissable for them to come. They need to be here. They need to be engaging. And I think it'll be good to see what photos ops I can get the shadow minister to do tomorrow. You know, we've got our SMEs with climbing robots. We've got virtual reality driving so I'm going to see how much I can push it. And once the keynote session has been and gone what else can we look forward to? So we've got a really great session on in looking at the the transition to electric vehicles um, kind of it's in the press at the moment and I think it'll be a, a really interesting talking point so it's how far can policy go in enabling that transition and so we've got Edmund King from the AA, Liz Garlinger from National Highways, we've got EVA England off-gem and transport for the north so I think that one will be really interesting and I think the landscape with that market is changing so much that I think yeah that I think there'll be standing room only for that one. And looking around the floor outside today what's notable about this event compared to the first time I came to a traffic event here at the NEC over 20 years ago is just how much more of a spread of young and old and male and female we have but I see you're doing something specific about women in transport yeah i think it's it's something that's close to my heart really in the sector is that we are making waves and kind of making the sector more diverse but it is hard and as an organizer trying to get that gender balance within the speakers it's difficult so i really wanted to put a session together around how we can empower that next generation of women into the sector and i've been working with sonia byers from women in transport on this and we've got the executive director nicola bell from national highways on this we've got anita solanke from kia and katie harris from transport for wales and they've all been doing some fantastic work about engaging in that early careers, but also in mid-career that this sector isn't just for fresh grads. You can get into the sector at whatever age and also what the sector needs to change to not only you know, attract women into the sector, but also retain them. So um, we've had a great reaction to that session already. So again, I think, I think it'll be really well attended. 
Brilliant. Claudia, buzzing on the floor outside at the moment. It's going to be buzzing again tomorrow and uh, no peace for the wicked because obviously you've got the dinner and the awards this evening. Uh, we'll catch up just to reflect tomorrow here at the NEC, uh, presuming you're, you're, you're still able to keep your eyes open from all the hard work you've done. But seeing what we've seen today, congratulations on another great event. Thank you very much. I'll be celebrating a little bit tonight, but the full celebrations will, will be tomorrow at 4pm. So I'm with Effie from Reflow on stand 98. Um, how's the show been? And, 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 you know, tell us about how the company's developed since the last one. Oh, the show just never fails to impress, really. I mean, it's exciting to be back again. The show is probably a third bigger than it was than I remember it last year, which is always exciting to meet new people. Um, yeah, Reflow's really come along in, in the past year. We've uh, The product has grown even more, adding a slew of new features as of our 1.6 update, which included new security features, comms, and enhancements to jobs and scheduling. Um, and we're still continuing with that even now, so that our clients and new clients can really get involved. And one of the things that you're talking about to customers here at Highways UK is the, the field man management uh, system and its ability to help with scalability. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I mean, obviously Reflow is a really, really flexible system. You know, we tailor from companies who are only a few boots on the ground all the way up to really large companies who have thousands of employees moving at once. Reflow is at a really nice safe point where the product itself can deal with 10 employees trying to do things in the field up to 1, 2,000 at once and submitting forms. And that's both from a functionality point of view, but also from a, a kind of a, the system base itself, its foundations. We, we, we're constantly making sure that it's in a position where it doesn't really matter what size company you're throwing at it, it will easily flex within that and allow people to really get on with what they need to be doing. And I suppose you're, you're adding functionalities all the time, aren't you? I suppose, is that is that a combination of what, what customers are demanding and then obviously, you know, what you think they might benefit from? It's one of those lovely symbiotic relationships that we have with our clients and even the new ones that come into us that we may not necessarily have seen before. Um, you know, we always try and deliver what we think they need and but also the, the big part of that is also listening to their causes their concerns what things have changed within their industry and how can reflow as a product and a system and also as a service you know how we support those what can we change what can we add to make that better and more efficient for them Okay, brilliant. So if it's field management software that you need, it's Stand 98 with Reflow. This is Highways Voices from Highways UK 2023. Thanks to the sponsorship of Unix Traffic, Keeley Brothers, Reflow, Stantech and AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals. Back to Adrian now, talking to someone who is most definitely not me. I'm here with Paul Hudson, Head of Sales at Now Wireless. We're, we're on Stand 314. Uh, Paul, um, there's been a recent announcement by the government uh, in terms of investment in traffic signals, making them more efficient, people that want to up up upgrade them. Um, it's obviously, obviously a good time for you guys to help these local authorities that, that, that might need it. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, it's a very exciting time, I think, for councils to uh, take hold of this opportunity to upgrade the traffic lights, and we can certainly help with regards to communications, um, for example, Glasgow, we've been saving Glasgow over half a million pounds a year in ongoing revenue cost for their traffic lights as they run them over our secure military-grade, carrier-grade wireless network. So here's a great opportunity for councils to get hold of some capital money to save them on ongoing revenue costs throughout the year. Significant savings. Your solution helps link traffic lights whether you've got a couple or thousands, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that's correct. I know that uh, Warwickshire, for example, had two traffic lights connectors for about five years, and now we've, there's a big project rolling out where we're doing hundreds uh, of traffic lights uh, with our sensors on it. And one of the themes of the show for you is, is, is start, start your smart infrastructure journey with us. Tell us about that. So we are looking to promote uh, the sensors that we've been developed for the last 10 years, where we're looking at air quality, uh, which is important to the company um, and important to the, uh, 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 the country. We're also looking at journey times, where we can uh, help uh, councils uh, look at um, improving bus journeys and also for the, for the local, for local people there. Uh, and for, for a highways and transport company, you've also been working with the NHS. Um, tell, tell us what's been happening there. So that's a very exciting new project where we've been uh, looking at measuring air quality for the ambulances that are parked outside the uh, A&E department uh, and uh, seeing that the, the air quality there is quite, quite poor and that they're sending all of their, the, the patients with asthma and COPD past all these ambulances. Um, so we're looking at getting that information out to the patients to tell them to look at different uh, entrances for the hospital and also getting the journey time between hospitals to ambulance drivers, patient transport drivers, so they can decide on which hospital to get to uh, the closest. Okay, so if it's tra traffic signals or smart infrastructure, it's Stand 314. Come and visit the team from now while. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. It's a welcome return to Highways UK at the NEC this year to Clearview Intelligence who are back with a stand and showing off loads of extra products. I've been joined by Client Relationship Director Andy Salotti uh, to talk through some of the new products that are on the uh, stand here this year, Andy. First of all, this looks like a traditional shoe for a road stud, but you've put one of your solar light solar road studs in there. Yeah, that's correct, Paul. So one of the biggest challenges for the, the current version of our stud is the installation process. Uh, so the new click light stud will, will take away a lot of the challenges, uh, make it easier for install and hopefully cheaper for the client. It looks to be smaller than the traditional solar light product that you've been installing over the years. How have you managed to get the same performance, the same battery power and luminosity in a slightly smaller package? It does have the same functionality as the existing stud. It's got eight years to 10 years life cycle. It can be seen for up to 900 meters, which gives you a reaction time of 30 seconds for the driver. So it does make the driver feel a lot more comfortable and less stressed whilst driving. So it's the exact same stud, just with a, with a mechanical design change. There's a lot of talk here in Birmingham about road safety and environment. This kind of ticks both boxes because it's obviously emission-free and, as you say, you get a much better reaction time for the driver. But is there an issue by the fact that you're kind of trying to fish in two different pots of budget with different people that may not actually talk to each other? Yeah, that's definitely a challenge, but I believe that stakeholders are now looking at more globally across the businesses such as National Highways and certainly Transport Scotland. The road stud has been proven to reduce nighttime accidents by 70%. And obviously, in the past, street light and then street light and switch off used to be a bit of a marmite subject. But now, obviously, with the whole carbon efficiency, the road stud is effectively a really good measure for mitigation of street lighting, where either street lighting isn't needed or a street light switch off scheme. Looking around, what else? We've got this uh, 
little disc here with a, a light on it, but the, it's much smaller than the uh, solar light or the click light. What's this uh, this product here that we're looking at? Yeah, so this is our new Pathlight uh, version of the, the solar light stud. So in the past, we've used the in-road version on the highways to sort of delineate cycle paths and canal paths, etc. Uh, but now we've taken the, the jump to move over to a specific path light, which will give uh, a lot more benefits on, on install and cost in this environment. Obviously, there's a lot of funding and active travel. Uh, there's a big shift for people moving to walking, and obviously street light in some of these areas is, is quite difficult and expensive. And the interesting thing about Clearview that I find when I'm writing up stories about you on the Highways News website is that you're, you're not just a product company, you're also a software company. You've got your Insight platform, but there's something new this year, which is Insight Vision. Tell me about that. Yeah, so that's our new video analytics application. So using CCTV images to do vehicle classification, stop vehicle detection, measuring gap, measuring speed of vehicles. It's moving from traditionally in-ground for us to above ground. Andy, great stuff. Good to see you again and have a good rest of the show. Thank you, Paul. Cheers. This is Highways Voices from Highways UK 2023. Sponsored by AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals, Keeley Brothers, Reflow, Stantec and Unex Traffic. You're listening to Highways Voices from here at Highways UK at Birmingham's NEC. I've been walking through the exhibition hall and I've uh, bumped into uh, my friend Jeff Collins, who's general manager of AccuCensus, a company that became even closer to my heart a few weeks ago at the JCT Traffic Signal Symposium when I ended up presenting Jeff's paper because he wasn't actually feeling very well at the time and was unable to make it to the event but it was an important thing for us to talk about which was distracted driving and the enforcement uh, to make your roads safer and I presented on behalf of Jeff so the first question I suppose to ask Jeff is how are you feeling? I hope you're feeling a bit better than you were when we were due to be in Nottingham. I do feel a lot better thank you Paul and uh, thank you very much for standing in as well. The uh, I, I left I left the task in capable hands. I have got a little bit of a cough that uh, comes back every now and then. Well, you're sounding fine, which is a good thing. So, AccuCensus, you joined about a year ago. For those that don't know, just explain what it's all about. Well, you're right. It, it is nearly a year ago now that I, I joined. Um, and AccuCensus, they're a pioneering Australian company that's developed new technology using artificial intelligence and a camera system which can automatically flag up drivers who are distracted by a mobile phone while they're driving or potentially not wearing a seatbelt. And it's very well established in Australia now. It's been used for a number of years and is operational across states throughout Australia, used to, as I said, flag up, automatically identify these, these behaviours which can then be validated by a human operator. And my task over the last year has been to help take that model and approach and introduce it to the UK so that we can find out what's going on on our roads and help to demonstrate to police and local authorities and safe roads partnerships just what can be achieved. And so what is going on on our roads? It probably doesn't come as much of a shock to people to appreciate that there's actually a really bad level of distracted driving in particular going on. And I, I've said it before, i said it again though, you'll, you'll notice when you're driving down a road, poor driving behaviour 
And quite often, if you then drive alongside someone, you notice they're peering down at their lap and they're weaving a little bit in and out because they are distracted by their phone. This thing which has been designed to demand their attention, but it's not designed to demand your attention when you're driving. You should be focused entirely on the fact that you've got a two-ton piece of metal which you're driving along the highway with all sorts of other people around there that haven't chosen to be there at the same time as you. So the trials we've been running have demonstrated that there is actually really quite a high level of bad behaviour with people being distracted. And then completely separately, but at the same time, there's a large proportion of people who are not wearing their seatbelts. They're choosing not to wear the seatbelt. You probably saw just a couple of weeks ago, the DFT put out the data which showed that one in five vehicle crashes last year that involved a fatality, someone wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So it's amazing that these, this problem continues and that's what we're identifying. So how does it work? It uses artificial intelligence, which is the thing that everybody immediately jumps onto and thinks artificial intelligence, oh, what, what's that going to do? How's that going to work? Is it uh, an invasion of my privacy? But it's actually much simpler than that. It's purely a pre-filter. So you have cameras, advanced cameras, which capture really crisp, clear images, even if a car is traveling in the pitch dark night. And if it's traveling at a high speed, these cameras can capture a really clear image through the windscreen, two different angles, one of the shallow angle, one of the steep angle. So it shows the different ways that people will hold a phone. And all the software does is in real time, it will flag if it thinks somebody could be using their phone or somebody is possibly not wearing their seatbelt. If it determines that everything is okay, the image is immediately thrown away. It's only if the AI flags that maybe something needs further attention that that image will be flagged up for a human to go in and do a, a secondary review just to, to actually determine what's going on. So fundamentally, that's how it works. It's a labor-saving device which filters down the amount of time you need to see if someone is doing this inappropriate behavior. And the good thing is the way it's operated, there's no distraction to anybody who's driving. You don't want to distract even further a distracted driver. This is just a way to identify if somebody might be using their mobile phone. So among the people here at Highways UK today, who would be your customer? Who are you wandering around the exhibition hall wanting to talk to? Mostly it's people who are involved in making the roads safer. But that's actually not as straightforward as you might think, because there's a lot of stakeholders who have an interest in making the road safer for everybody. So obviously DFT have an involvement, and then the police via the Home Office will have an involvement. But in particular, we're talking to highway authorities, so the likes of National Highways, Transport Scotland, TfL, as just a few examples, but then also the Safer Roads Partnerships and their multiple stakeholders, which typically will involve local authorities and the relevant local police force. All of these people are interested in this type of technology because it's something that will help people to achieve their targets and objectives to drive down casualties on their roads. Increasingly, we're seeing people talking about Vision Zero as well. There's not, or there doesn't appear to be, national targets which are being set. So more and more regions are actually choosing to go for a Vision Zero approach on their roads, which is very commendable because they want to drive down deaths and collisions on their, on their roads as a path. And so finally, Jeff, because we're nearly out of time, but I'm just interested to know, how do we know that actually 
having the cameras there and identifying distracted drivers or people not wearing a seatbelt, how do we know this actually works and actually affects behaviour? That does make for an interesting question because it's not so much about just identifying bad behaviour or giving somebody a ticket for this this dangerous behaviour. It's very much about changing behaviours and making people do the right thing because ideally, rather like people used to say about speed cameras years ago, the, the most effective camera is one that doesn't actually catch anybody. The most effective camera is one that proves there isn't a problem anymore. And the experience we have in Australia is that behaviour change is happening. And an important part of monitoring and any enforcement activity is that people understand it can happen and is happening. Uh, there's very little point catching someone unawares and then a few weeks later they get a ticket in the post because that doesn't really change behaviour. That could arguably just make people frustrated. But if you can take the approach that people understand what is going on and why, you have a visible presence and you share the reason you're doing these things, that's how you drive behaviour change. And ultimately, that is what makes the roads much safer. Jeff Collins, General Manager of AccuSensors here in the UK, thanks for joining us here on this special Highways Voices. No problem, it's uh, great to be here, Paul. And Jeff is on a session on enforcement as a last resort, promoting safe and responsible driver compliance in the Intelligent Transport Systems Theatre tomorrow at 12.25. That'll do it for a very busy day one at Highways UK. We've got so much more to share with you and won't be able to fit all of it in tomorrow, I'm sure, so I'll be saving some content for next week's Highways Voices too. We'll catch you tomorrow and I'll finish by thanking Keeley Brothers, Reflow, Stantec, AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals and Unix Traffic for their support and we'll catch you tomorrow. From the NEC in Birmingham, Highways Voices at Highways UK. Thanks to the sponsorship of Unix Traffic, Stantec, Reflow, Keeley Brothers and AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals. 